Is there anybody thankful for Jesus in this place? Can we give God a big shout of praise all over this house? Come on, you can do better than that, Purpose Church. Come on, can we give Jesus a big shout of praise in this place today? Yeah. Won't you high-five your neighbor and say he's got good plans for you. He's got good plans for you. Got good plans for you. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, I'm so glad that you're here. 1115, you look good today. And, uh, man, excited for, for just being here today. Uh, and I want you to go ahead and grab your Bibles wherever you're at. Grab your Bibles. We love to stand in honor of God's Word. If you don't mind standing as we read God's Word in just a second. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Uh, Newer Testament. Maybe uh, you're new to church or new to the Bible. It's God's Word, and what we open it, it's in the Newer Testament. So there was an Older Testament, Newer Testament. Again, Jesus came to fulfill that. It's just awesome. Can't wait to talk about it a little bit today. But I, I, we're in Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to welcome everybody that's watching online. Come on, third service today. We're online together. Can we welcome everybody that's watching in online today? Awesome. Glad that y'all are here. And uh, just giving you a second to get to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Anybody excited to be at church today? Yeah, let's do it. If you're ready and you are in Matthew chapter 6, say, I'm ready. Right, if you need a second, say, hold up. Okay, we're going to wait for you. That's all right. Take your time. Like I, I want to just reiterate what the team has already told everybody today. Egg drop is one of those biggest things, the biggest outreach event that we do all year long. And I want to just make sure that we're a church that is always worried, not just about ourselves, but we're looking out for the one, that we're willing to go out in our community and make a difference. And so I'm just going to ask you, to be a part of that, and so uh, whether you're serving the day of, I just think, um, I, I would just love for, literally, that we've had hundreds of people serve in the past, I'd love for there to be a thousand people that serve um, uh, on that day, thousands of people that are going to come to the CFSB Center, we rented the biggest indoor facility we could find, and uh, we're going to put Jesus all over the place, it's going to be incredible, his name is going to be lifted up, and we're going to use uh, all of us to be a part of that, and so I'm going to ask you, if you haven't said yes to serve just yet, hey, it's okay. Stay after this service. We're going to have a meeting right here in this place. I would love to see this room full of people that are willing to serve and say, yes, hey, I will go. I will do. I will, I will, we will take Jesus' name wherever we got to go. And so that's happening right at the end of this service. So just so you know, that's going to happen. Matthew chapter 6. Are you there? Are you ready? If you're ready, say, I'm ready. Awesome. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 says this. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Watch what Jesus says in verse 21. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. Jump down to verse 24 if you don't mind. It says this, no one can serve two masters for you will either hate one and love the other You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. And so we're in a series called God Math. This is the one week, let me just share with you, that we are going to talk about money in church. But I need to do something really quick. I need everybody to breathe in real deep through your nose. Come on. Out your mouth. And as you look at your neighbor, say, it's all going to be all right. It's all going to be all right. I, I, I want to just... Just share that with you up front because I want you to understand that this is something that when we talk about in church, people get weird. And I get that. We'll talk about it in a second. But God math in this series, we're talking numbers in the Bible. It just don't seem to make sense. I would just submit to you today that 90% is actually greater than 100%. 
That's the title of today's message. 90% is greater than 100%. We'll talk about it. Let's pray a really long prayer. Then you can have a seat. All right, Jesus, speak to us in this place. In your name we pray. And everybody said amen, amen. Go ahead and high five your neighbor. Say you look good and you sound good at church today. Awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, cool. We get this idea of God math. How many of y'all have ever seen the hashtag going around girl math? Come on, wave at me if that's you. Wave your hand in the air like you just do care, all right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I think we've seen that. And uh, I, I don't know if you know much about girl math. We're going to talk about it a little bit today. Girl math is just this hashtag has been going around of numbers that don't seem to make a lot of sense, right? In, 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 when you're talking about an extravagant expense or something like that, I got a few examples for you. And I'm going to throw them up here on this big giant screen behind me. I'm going to ask if you agree with it, would you wave your hand in the air and would you wave around like you just do care and maybe do a little hoop and a hollering? Can you all handle that today? About six of us in the third service and say, can we handle that today? All right, good. I'm going to throw the first one up here really quick. It's September. I bought tickets to a concert that's in March. By that time, it's going to the show for free. Come on. How many of y'all agree with that? That's free, right? That's a free ticket to a show. All right, the other one right here. I like this one. Girl Math is saying, if I don't look at my bank account, I can't see the money leaving, and seeing is believing, so I'm not actually losing money since I do not see it happening. Anybody out there? Come on. That's, your, that's, that's Girl Math right there. Hashtag Girl Math. All right, I got a couple more for you. I want you to see. Girl math is so real. This is so many of y'all in this room right now. I returned something for $90 and then bought something for $100, so I really only spent $10. What a deal. Come on, how many? Yeah. That's girl math right there. Now you spent 100 bucks, but you thought you only spent 10 I get it. I get it. Hashtag girl math. The next one is this. Girl math is me waiting until the next day to buy something I really want whenever I feel like I've spent too much in a day because my spending resets at midnight. Come on. Anybody just know the mercies of the Lord are new every day? Come on, somebody, right? It's just a new day, right? I, I say that, and I, I want to just throw it out there that, again, I think some of those numbers are a little outlandish. I think they're a little out there, that that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense sometimes. And I think sometimes we can look at the Bible, and we see the Bible, and we say, hey, you know what? There's some numbers there that just don't seem to make sense, right? And we talked about it last week. We kicked off our series talking about this idea of six is actually greater than seven. And that walkaway point at the end of the day was that I will trust God with six days more than I will trust myself to work all seven. That I will work, I will have a job, I will do things, but I'm going to take a day where I'm going to Sabbath, where I'm going to rest, where I'm going to, to do that. Because we talked about it, work minus rest is actually unbiblical. Rest minus work is lazy. But work minus rest is actually unbiblical. So we challenged each other with that last week. Six is greater than seven. Doesn't really make sense in our economy, but in God's math, it does. And then this week, I want to talk to us about this number of 90% is actually greater than 100%. So today, we are going to speak about money when it comes to that uh, in your life. And I, I know I'm very aware of the elephant that is in the room, right? This is a sensitive subject to talk about in church. We don't mind people talking about money, just don't talk about it in church. Come on, somebody, right? It's kind of how we all feel. And, and again, I'll just tell you, just put my, all my cards out there today. I grew up in church. Uh, I, I was at church all the time. My dad and mom were youth pastors, and I, I was there, and I, I, got, I was at Sunday school, and I've been in, in, on staff at churches, and I've pastored church uh, for the last five years here. And listen, I, I, I got the 
t-shirt and all of those things. And no matter what setting that you're in, we all people get funny when you start talking about money, right? And if you ever want to see people looking like they're sucking on lemons and constipated at the same time, start talking about money because that's what happens, all right? And I'll just tell you, I think a lot of us, if we're just being very transparent in here today, how many of you know someone that says they'll never step foot inside of a church because they believe the church is just a holy hustle? Come on. Anybody wave your hand in the air. The church, all they want is the money. That's what I, you know somebody that says that. Come on. Everybody participate. This all skate. Do you know somebody that says that? You know what? I'm not going there because all they are is about the money. So keep your hand up if you believe that. No, no, I'm just kidding. Don't don't, don't do that today. But I know it's a sensitive subject, and rightfully so, because this is what I know about church, is that the church has done an incredibly terrible job when it comes to the subject of money. That there are many churches, there are many televangelists, there's many ministries and and preachers who have done an incredible disservice in how they've talked about money and how they handled money, all in the name of Jesus, right? Right? And we could make a list, if we just kind of just went around the room and I handed the microphone to one of you today, you could make a list of, of certain things that people and preachers and televangelists that you know of that would beg for money, like, like God needed our money and like he was late on rent in heaven. You know what I'm saying? Like, or, or the fact is that there would be some people that would take a verse out of context when it comes to actually speaking about taking up an offering or the prosperity gospel that we've all seen where people will say, hey, if you sow a seed of a certain amount, well, by midnight you're going to be a millionaire in Jesus' name, Right? No, 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 we've seen it, we under, like that, and, and all of us have formed these preconceived notions based on a lot of that stuff, and again, we've seen pastors who have no financial accountability and uses the church finances in order to boast like these lavish, crazy lifestyles, and I am very fully aware that it is difficult to talk about money in church Whenever I've seen people that are people that do the same thing that I do, right, as a pastor, preacher, uh, communicator of the gospel, do some dumb stuff in the name of Jesus in the church, right? Y'all ever been to a family reunion and you look over there at the cousins and you're like, ooh, man, I didn't know they was in the family. You know what I'm saying? Like, ooh, didn't know that was them, right? Anybody ever have some cousins in the family? Like, mm, man, I wish they kind of, that's kind of how I feel when it comes to these preachers and, and televangelists and ministries that have done a disservice by speaking about it out of context, by taking this and warping it. And again, I would just be very, can I be very honest today? About 17 of us. Can I be very honest today? I want to let you know that if I had it my way, if it were up to me, I would never talk about this. Just going to be very honest. I would never do an illustration about it. I would never, like, we would never even talk about it. But the only problem is, I'm one of those preachers that just believes that what Jesus talked about, we got to talk about. I'm just, I, I, I've had this mandate, I have this calling, I have this responsibility as your pastor to talk about what Jesus talked about. And Jesus talked about money a lot. Somebody say a lot. A lot. And if I, I'm just going to tell you, if I talked about money as much as Jesus talked about money, none of y'all will be here, all right? Like I'm talking about nobody. Because did you know the Bible actually spends 2,000 scripture verses talking about finances? We see that in Scripture, and then Jesus talked about finances and possessions more than he talked about faith, heaven, and prayer combined. And every time that Jesus would talk, man, Jesus is just an incredible storyteller. I love Jesus so much. Like, if you go and just read the life of Jesus, he's incredible. And he was this incredible storyteller, and he would tell these stories. And what would happen is, they're called parables. And if you go through the gospel and kind of tally them up, there's about 40 of them that he would use. Did you know that 11 of them have to deal with money and possessions? 
that one out of every four sermons were about money and possessions. Come on. How many of y'all would know if every one out of every four sermons was about all about money, ain't nobody showing up to church, right? Come on, ask somebody next to you. Say, you coming? Are you coming? Are you coming to that series? No, no, no. We're not probably. And so I, I want to just take a moment to, to acknowledge that Jesus spoke about this. But what I want you to know, that in all of the Bible, and it's going to make some of you shout in just a second, Jesus never one time asked for money. So you'll see that. Jesus never one time asked for money at all, right? He never one time asked for money. The only time he asked for a coin was when he was going to use it for an illustration purpose. And I, I just believe Jesus gave that coin back, right? He was showing, hey, who's on the coin? Caesar. Okay, give, it, give to Caesar what's Caesar's. Give to God what's God's, okay? And he gave that coin back. That's the only time in Scripture I can ever see Jesus asking for any type of payment or money. But don't shout too loud if you agree with that because Jesus never asked for money. But listen to me, Jesus did receive money. If you go back in the scripture, you'll find out that there were some sisters that were holding down the fort when it came to providing for the ministry of Jesus. That Jesus and his 12 dudes, that they left their jobs to follow Jesus. Somebody's got to support them and the sisters in the house. Come on, somebody. Y'all were the one doing the work back then to support the, Jesus and his ministry. I want you to see that. And I think that it's wild that church sometimes can be the only place on the planet where we can come in, get a good word, get some good worship, critique it even, criticize it, but never feel the need to deposit anything into it. I got to thinking, you know what, if you stop paying your electric bill, let's see what happens after that. Come on, somebody. It's going to be a bad day, okay? It's funny, though, how we often criticize what we never invest in. And I want to just do a good job right here up front clarifying that this is not a setup, okay? I, I want to just kind of just, everybody one time breathe in through your nose, out your mouth, here we go. Okay, just everybody breathe. This is not a setup, like we are not passing the offering containers again. I just want everybody to understand something. Like, I, I just want to clarify, as we begin speaking about this today, I'm not teaching about this out of need. Actually, this is the only week in this series that we're going to talk about finances and money, so don't feel like you got to skip next week because this was uncomfortable today, okay? I just want to let you know that we are doing, our church, man, we got some great men, great people leading the financial side of this place. And I'm just going to let you know that we are in a healthy position as a church, probably healthier than we've ever been. So I want you to know that I'm not teaching this out of need. I'm teaching this today because I've seen it work in my own life. That I've experienced what I'm going to share with you, and I want you to see it, I want it for you too. So we see Jesus, obviously, right here in Scripture, talking about fine, and talking about some possessions, talking about some treasure. And it's sandwiched in between a couple chapters, and this is a sermon, a clip of a sermon of a thing called the Sermon on the Mount. How many of us have ever heard of Sermon on the Mount? You ever heard that before? Well, I want to let you know, give you just a deep theological thought of what that is. You know what it is? It's Jesus speaking a sermon on top of a mountain. That's it. That's it. All right, you're welcome. All right. That's it, okay? It's literally Jesus' first sermon that's recorded that we see where he's addressing people. And it spends, Matthew spends Matthew 5, 6, and 7, three chapters. If you go back and read it this week, you'll find out that Jesus is like this, this monologue of what Jesus is speaking. It's incredible. He starts out with the very first thing he's talking about. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they will inherit the kingdom of God. And that was just reminding me that guess what? The way that you and I come into God's kingdom is broke. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody, right? 
that we do not have to come in with our stuff together, that no, 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 not broke financially just that, but I'm talking about broke in spirit. Is there anybody thankful that it's not about how you clean yourself up, about how much you have or don't have, it's all based on the blood of Jesus and what he's done that gives us access to the kingdom of God. Come on, if we believe that, give Jesus some praise in this place today. So so I want you to see that. I want you to know that. And again, Jesus never one time asked for money. Here's what I'm going to tell you. Why would Jesus constantly talk about something that he never asked for? Okay, I think it's a good question to ask, right? Why would he, one out of every four times, he stood up in front of people. He's talking about this thing but never end up asking for it. I, I just believe that Jesus was after something. I want you to write this down. I believe that Jesus is after you and your heart, not your wallet. Jesus is after you and your heart, not your wallet. I I want you to know that, that that God is obsessed with you. That Jesus is obsessed with having all of you, not just a Sunday version of you, all of you. Not just this one part of my life that God can have. No, no, no. He's interested in all of you. And maybe he talked about money as often as Jesus did. Because there was nothing, that he just knew that there was nothing that, you would, that would captivate you and even potentially contaminate your heart like money would. And I want to just challenge you, that's where he said it and why he said it. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. And I think a lot of times what we can do is we can follow what people say. We can say that we treasure God. We can say that we love God with all of our life. We can say, man, I love Jesus. I, I, man, I'm so thankful. And here's what I think. I think some, I, I, I believe that wholeheartedly, that people love Jesus, but they hold on to some stuff and don't give it all to him. And I think that sometimes our lips might lie, but numbers do not. And I think that sometimes our bank statements are theological documents. That if you would show us your bank statement, if I would show you my bank statement, it would show you what I truly believe in. What I truly love and who our God really is in our life. Am I serving the God of Netflix? Come on, somebody. Right? Am I serving the God of DoorDash? Lord, don't talk about DoorDash today. I like it. Like, like, what what does that look like? And again, I, I, I want you to know that I'm asking myself and Allie, we're asking our family the same thing. Okay, what am I, what am I trusting in? Like, what am I putting my hope in? Jesus is after you and your heart, not your wallet. Billy Graham had this to say, tell me what you think about money. We all have just a massive respect for Pastor Billy Graham, evangelist, I mean, just incredible man. And he says, tell me what you think about money, and I'll tell you what you think about God. For these two are closely related, that a man's heart is closer to his wallet than anything else. Then he would go on to say another quote by him, says, God does not need our money. He actually owns everything, including our money. What he wants us to discover is where our central focus of worship lies. Is that focus on God or is that focus on money? And then Jesus, obviously, we know what Jesus would say. He says that no one can serve two masters, for you'll either hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. And I just... I, I just want to take a, a second kind of illustrate this to you really quick. So I'm going to split the room in half right here. Everybody good? Like just right here. Everybody good? Everybody on this half of the room, 
versus this half of the room. Everybody good? I'm looking to see who's more spiritual today. We're going with this side today. Come on, welcome to God's team today. You're on God's team today, all right? So whenever I do like this, I need you to shout God, okay? Because you're representing God. I need you to shout it with your chest, okay? Everybody okay? You guys are money, okay? So y'all to represent money today. Whenever I do my hand like this, y'all shout like it like it's your job. All right, shout money like it's your job. Can we handle that? Can we handle that? I know everybody's nervous. Just calm down. We're gonna talk through this. Okay, let's talk. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God. Oh, you cannot serve and. You can't serve both and Oh, that's fun. That's fun right there. That was good. That was good. Okay, I, I want you to see that. I want you to feel that. I want you to know that. But think about it really quick. Isn't that a wild comparison that God would, that, that Jesus would compare, like the, these two things, that Jesus would compare versus, come on. Isn't that, isn't that, isn't that a wild comparison? Like, think about it really quick. God didn't say, hey, you can't serve God and my spouse. He didn't say you can't serve God. Oh, that was, sorry, I'm taking you, stealing y'all's thunder right now. I'm very sorry. God and, and my kids. He didn't say you can serve both God and uh, my house or my job. No, 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 he didn't say that. He said, God and he said, God and. Okay, I want you to see that. I want you to feel it. I want you to know it. It's interesting, though, that he's comparing, that Jesus is comparing God versus money. And let, let, me, let, me, let me share something with you. I think I did a bad job the last two services of clarifying this. There is nothing wrong with having things. Can I clarify that with you real quick? I just want to let you know, there's nothing wrong with having things. Nothing wrong with having nice things. Nothing wrong with that. I just want to, I, I think it's when they have you, that's the issue. Okay, so you can have nice things, they just can't have you. Come on, somebody, right? So I want to clarify that. There's nothing wrong with having nice things. It's when they consume you, that's the problem I have with it. That's the problem God has with it. And I just want to clarify again, I think it's interesting that God puts this dichotomy of, of, of comparisons between God and money. It's interesting comparison because you know the greatness of something based on what you compare it to, Right? It's kind of how we determine how great a person is. You're comparing it to somebody else that you think is greater. Is that right? So let's talk about this real quick. Best basketball player to ever play the game of basketball. He's number 23. He's bald. Starting for the university. Wow. The, the, the Chicago Bulls. Michael Jordan, right? Okay, really quick. So who is the, who's the greatest basketball player to ever live? If it's Michael Jordan versus? Okay. It's all over the place. Hey, guess what? LeBron James is great. I can absolutely agree. Last night, eclipsed 40,000 points as an NBA basketball player. You're talking about, man, wow, it's incredible. But watch this. He's compared to somebody whose greatness came before him. And you're comparing his greatness to somebody else's greatness. And what I want you to see is that what God is trying to show us when it comes to this comparison where he's saying, hey, I, I, I'm the greatest of all time. That's what God is saying. I want you to understand. Jesus is saying, I'm the greatest. I want you to know that there is something that is going to try and steal the attention of you. There is something that, that is going to be out there that's going to try and get you lured in. 
that's going to vie for your attention, that's going to vie for your, your desires and the authority that it can give you. And he puts it on the same level that you and I, we would probably put it on the same level as him. And guess what it is? It's money. And money is the number one competitor for the ultimate authority in your life. And when you see that, I want you to write it down. That money will get you, it will say anything to you to get you and I to believe in it. Right? Money will try to lie to you and say, hey, you, you need to trust. You know, you're singing that song, Trusting God. You're singing that. I know what your bank account is, but you have, if you had another thousand, then you could trust in me. Oh, or hey, believe in me like you believed in God. Let, let me, money, open doors for you the way that he opens doors for you. Let, let me uh, give you power like the Holy Spirit has given you power. Let me help you with position. Let me guide you. Let me make the decision for you. Let me give you security. Let me give you significance. Let me make you happy. Let me be the one that you refer to first before you do something. And this is what I came to remind somebody today. Just because money is powerful doesn't mean it's a good God. Just because money is powerful doesn't mean it should be in the number one authority in your life. And I want to challenge some of us today that if we would go back and we would read the original manuscripts of when it was translated to English, there's an interesting thing as we read this verse right here. That if you go back to the King Jimmy version, right, the King James version, what you'll find out is that in this we wouldn't have God versus money. Actually, it would tell us in the New King James or the King James is that you cannot serve God and mammon. Okay, so everybody say mammon. You can't serve God and mammon. And mammon, I want you to write this down. I want you to know what mammon actually is. Mammon is actually translated as deceitful riches. This is an Aramaic word that's out there, which would mean deceitful riches. You know what that, that really means? It's that you're being deceived by money. That you're, you're believing the lies of what we just talked about. That it will give you security. That it will give you position. That it will give you status. What I want you to also see is that this word mammon actually is a, a, a word and a name of an Assyrian false god that came from the area known as Babylon. Anybody remember the Tower of Babel? Anybody remember that? We're like the Holy Spirit, like literally these people are like building this thing up to heaven. They think, oh man, we're great. We can communicate together. We can get all the way to heaven. We don't need God. We don't need anything. We can just build this great city all the way up into the clouds. And guess what? They realize, you know what? I don't need God. We're not going to do anything out of God, like in the middle of, I'm not going to honor God with anything. We're going to do our own thing. And what I want you to see is that God came down and confused all of their languages. And out of Babylon, out of the Tower of Babel, this spirit known as Mammon, this Assyrian false god, came out of that area. And what you need to know is that it, has, it carries a spirit that, guess what, I don't have to do this. That oh, I can do this on my own. I don't have to have God. I can get to heaven on my own. I, can, I have my own energy, the, my own work. And the spirit of man is trying to speak to some of you and say, hey, I, you don't need God. All you need is some deceitful riches. All you need is some money. And here's how I know this sometimes can creep into our life. And it's creeped into mine before. Is if you hear a statement like this. I either need God to come through or I need somebody to give me some money. Right? How many times have you said that before? Think about that really quickly. And when that comes out of your mouth, that thought or that heart speaks to the fact that we have put money 
on the level of God the provider. And I came to just remind some of us that maybe you're listening to the voice of mammon and not the voice of the master. I came to remind you that God does not need your money or mine to provide for us, to make a way for us, or to help us out. Because the last time that I checked, we serve a God who owns a cattle on a thousand hills that created the entire world with a word from his mouth. And I just wish I had 15 people that could testify that if you've ever had God step in and fix a situation that money could not touch, that money could not fix, that money could not buy that peace, that target wasn't going to bring you any joy. But I got that joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart because of Jesus. Come on, if we believe that, can we give him a big shout of praise in this place today? <laughs> I, I, and I want to illustrate this to you. I want to I illustrate it to you really fast. Is there anybody in here that has $13 that was given to them? Anybody in the room? Back here. We got 13 bucks that was given to you? All right. You mind coming up here real fast? You're awesome. Come on, give it up for her coming up here right now. Awesome. What's your name? Natalie. Natalie is your name. And I know this is very uncomfortable standing in front of very, I'm very sorry. It won't be very long, I promise, okay? So Natalie, come on, everybody get up for Natalie right now. Natalie, awesome. Awesome, Natalie. Natalie, where'd you get that $13? Did somebody give it to you? Somebody gave it to you? Okay, did, did a guy named Damien give it to the dude that was up here earlier with hair? Good hair? Okay, cool. He gave it to you? Good. Damien, where's he at? Is he in here still? Nope, he's not. Okay, I can talk about him. He's in here somewhere. Okay, so Damien gave you that money, didn't he? You know why Damien gave you that money? Because I told Damien to find somebody in the crowd to be able to give $13 to. All right? And I thought, okay, I'm going to give it randomly to a third, just give it to anyone. I didn't even know who it was. Didn't know, didn't, no idea. And, and so what I asked Damien to do was give you $13. And I was going to ask, and I was nervous just being honest. When I asked, hey, does anybody got $13? Because guess what? Remind me your name one more time. Natalie, Natalie, you could have kept that $13, couldn't you? You didn't have to say nothing. You could have kept it to yourself, but instead you didn't. And you know why? You said, hey, when I, and I asked, hey, has anybody got $13? We, you said, I got $13, and you came, and you came and brought that back to me because I asked for it. I actually have $130 that's right here that I would love to give you instead of that $13. So I want this to be yours as you give this back to me, that's yours to have. Go get some lost brutalities today on purpose. Service. Come on, somebody. It's yours. You take that home with you. Thank you. So y'all give it up for Natalie right now, right now. Awesome. 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 I love it. Okay. I want you to see something really quick because I'm trying to get you to feel this. Trying to get you to understand this. I'm trying to show you that what God is trying to do in your life is release a flow of generosity. That, that Natalie had no idea she was going to have 13 bucks, but God was wanting to see if it was her money or if she was willing to give it. If she was willing to have it open-handedly, and I just believe this is a foundational principle of generosity and what can break the spirit of mammon on your life is that you would value it like an owner, but you would care for it like a manager. Is that you would value it like an owner, but you would care for it like a manager. Listen to me. Everything in my bank account is not mine. I don't own it. There ain't very much, but I don't own it anyway. I want you to see that nothing in my life is mine. I am just a manager. I am just a steward of what God has given me. My name may be on my house, 
My name may be on my truck. My name may be on the chicken barns that we own, but guess what? I do not own it. Why? Because the Bible tells me in Psalm 24 that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Somebody say everything. Everything. And so here's the deal. If everything is his and he asked for $13, guess what? Just like that response that Natalie had. Here you go, God. It's yours anyway. It's not mine. I value it, but I'm going to care for it like a manager. And my question for you today is can God trust you to manage what he's given you? Can he trust you to manage what he's placed in your life, that life that you have, that family that you have? That job that you have, are you valuing it like an owner and are you caring for it like a manager? It's not mine. My family is not my own. Yes, I'm going to value it like they're mine, but God has given me that family. I'm going to love my family, care for my family, take care of my family. Our finances, guess what? God has given us the ability to make a living. I'm going to make sure and care for it like a manager. I value it like an owner. I do not own anything. And what I want you to think about today is if you have this mentality of I value it like an owner, but I manage it, I care for it like a manager or a steward. If you have that, it changes the word when we say the word tithe. It changes the mindset on it when we say tithe. Because this is my thought. It's, and I have this all the time myself too as I'm working through this and thinking through this again. Because sometimes it just seems like, man, we're in a tight spot. Man, God, we're in a tight spot. But I know that you've given me more than I ever deserve. And what is 10% when none of it's mine anyway? Like, what is 10%? The U.S. government takes more than 10%. Come on, somebody, all right? <laughs> we'll talk about that today. But, but you may be thinking, you know what, that's Old Testament, Pastor. I'm under grace now, not the law. Here's what I think. Grace actually empowers you to do more, not less. Think about what Jesus said. What did he say? Hey, I know you've heard before. You shall not kill. You shouldn't kill. Well, guess what? I'm going to take it a step further. I'm not going to say that that's not a good idea. Yeah, don't do that. I'm going to say, hey, if you even look at somebody and hate them, guess what you're doing? You're committing murder in your heart. So, so Jesus doesn't ever just de demolish the law. No, he fulfills it and then takes it even further. So, so I want to challenge some of us. Actually, tithing is the biblical principle that was set by God before he gave us the law. That the tithe of, of our first 10%, that's what tithe means, the first tenth, the, the first, that, that I'm not going to pay everything else and I'm going to hope there's enough left over and then I'll, I'll, I'll give that. But then I'll, I'll be faithful to God at the end of that. And I got to thinking again, this is something I'm just going to just speak to myself in this moment. Is the electric company first or is God first? In my own life, I'm going to just ask myself. I, that was intrinsically in this microphone with myself. I'm so sorry that y'all were, were in here hearing that. Right? Like, am I going to trust? Now, I'm all about being smart. I'm all about being very money. Uh, and again, Pastor Kyle is leading through Financial Peace University right now in this church. And I want you to understand that there are some people going through that. They're saying, hey, you know, we want, to, we want to figure this out. We want to walk through this. We want to be smart. And I just believe in God math. There's something about that special about the first, that God calls us to give him a tenth of our first fruits, not because we owe him something, but because he gave us everything first. Right? We can never repay God. I could never repay God for what he's done for me. I could never give back to him what he's given to me, but it is a way of saying, God, you gave me everything, so I'm going to trust you with this. 
And Malachi 3 tells, tells us, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. And the prosperity gospel out there would tell you, hey, you give to get a blessing. Right? You give in order to get. And I want you to understand that as you give, there is a blessing in the benefit of a tithe. I believe that absolutely. But, but I want you to understand that the blessing is not the motivator of it. Obedience is the motivator of it. Like, God, you asked me to do that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that. And again, I am not a preacher preaching to you out of need, but out of something I've experienced in my own life. That God, I'm going to honor you with my money and all that you've given me. Not just my money, but my whole life. And I want, to write, I want you to write this down. Every check is a check. And every deposit is a decision. Every check is a check. That I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check my spirit. I'm going to check in and say, okay, this is a decision point for me. Am I going to trust the master or is this going to master me? A am I going to use this for God's glory or is this going to use me? And I don't know about you, but any time that this begins to happen, this spirit of mammon is always going to give you an excuse of why you cannot be generous. Right? Come on, like today, I'll just be honest. Can I be very honest with you? I was thinking, okay, this would have been a lot simpler if we had two services. <laughs> right? And we... We did that in every service today because you know why? It would have been easier for two services. Kind of that, 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 that spirit of mammon saying, no, 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 you shouldn't be generous and give that. But this is what I know is that generosity is not a repayment. Generosity is our response. Because you and I could never pay and repay what God has done for us. Like we could never give enough. Like we could never say thank you enough. So I want to read to you Matthew 6. And right after Jesus says, hey, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Watch what he goes down saying. Eight verses I want you to read. Matthew 6, verse 25, it says this. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than foods and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They don't plant or harvest or store foods in barns. What's he saying? They ain't got a checking account. They ain't got a savings account or a 401k. All right, that's the DMV, the Dustin McLean version, okay? All right? And, and, and again, hear me out. There is nothing wrong with having those things. I want you to have those things. I want you to plan. I want you to prepare. I think you're honoring God when you do that. But listen to me. I want you to have those things. I just don't want those things to have you. And I, I think that's what God is getting at. Like, there's nothing wrong with having those things, but don't let them have you. Don't, don't let that be the reason why like your whole life is revolved around it. Yes, we got to have it in order to live. But at the same time, don't let that be the reason why you live. Because that's what somebody else is going to take your job one day. Somebody else is going to have that. They're gonna, you're going to pass down all of those riches one day to somebody else. But my question is, does God have your heart in that? Does God have your heart? And again, they don't, they, don't, they don't plant, harvest, store food in barns. For your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable than, to him than they are? Can all of your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the li clothing. Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their cl uh, clothing. Yet Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, the Bible says. I, 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 maybe some of you came for this today. That You need to hear this. That he will certainly care for you. 
That that's the God that we serve. That we serve a providing God. That we serve a caring God. That we serve a God that, that gives us more than we ever deserve. It's called grace. It's called, it's called mercy. And it's great to know that. And he asks, why do you have so little faith? Verse 31, he says, don't worry about these things, saying what you'll eat, what you'll drink, what you'll wear. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all of your needs. And then this is verse 33 right here that I want you to see. Verse 33 says this, okay. He lines all that out, and he says in verse 33, seek the kingdom of God above all else. Somebody say all. All else, and live righteously. Another translation says, seek first the kingdom of God, Right? And He will give you everything that you need. So my question, kind of two walkaway points today, and we're done. The order of your life affects the outcome of your life. So I, I want this for you today, that you would seek God with all of your heart. That you would seek Him with your entire life. That everything about you would be, uh, uh, the very first thing that you do with your life is to honor God with it. That we would seek God above all else first, that that's what we would do. And then, again, the order matters. That we would put Him first, and that He is going to take care of the rest. And so the last little walkaway point I want you to have today, and it kind of goes with that title that I had at the beginning, is I'm going to trust God with 90% of my income more than I'm going to trust myself with 100% of my income. Now, I didn't say this in any of our other services. I'll say it to you guys. I believe in this so much. We believe in this so much as a church that if, if, if you will commit to this, that if you'll do this for three months, I just want to, I'm throwing this out there. We've talked about it before, the 90-day tithe challenge. That if you would commit to doing that, that if, if, if there is not on the other side of it, God hasn't done an incredible thing in your life, through your heart and what you're doing, we will give you all 90 days back that you tithe. Because I want you to see something. It's not about the money. It's about the heart. It's about what God is doing on the inside of you. So I just I got that for you today. I hope that's okay. Again, this is stress sweat for me right now because today's just one of those days. I know it's, and again, we're not going to talk about this. We're not going to keep talking about this every week. God math is not just about tithing. Lots of other things over the next few weeks. Forgiveness. Man, just, just uh, 5 plus 2 equals 12 next week. It's going to be great. Yeah, that don't make sense, does it, right? But, but I just want to just share that with you today. And if you receive that today, come on. Can we give Jesus a big hand clap of praise in this place today? Awesome. Awesome. So why don't we do this? Can we stand to our feet? Can we stand to our feet? Would you mind bowing your heads and closing your eyes just across this place? I, I want to share with you. It's kind of what I wanted to share with you. That we, we could never repay God for what he's done for us. And uh, what, what is it that he's done for us? The Bible tells us that we've all sinned that we've all fallen short of the glory of God, that I am a sinner, that I, I was born this way, that my parents did not have to teach me how to do this. I don't have to teach my kiddos how to do it. Man, they just know it because it's innate in all of us. It's inside of all of us that we choose anything but God. And the Bible says that that separation from God is what happens when we sin, that there is this that there's a separation between us and God and nothing that you and I can do to fix that other than acknowledging that we have a problem and that Jesus is the solution. And the Bible says that if you and I, listen, if you don't confess that sin, if you don't repent of that sin, if you don't give your life to Jesus, the bad thing about that is that you will spend all of eternity apart from God in a place called hell, paying for your own sin, which would be a travesty because Jesus has already paid for it. You just got to be willing to acknowledge it. 
You just got to be willing to accept what he's done for you. The Bible says that if you will declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you'll believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you will be saved. There's some of you today that need to take that step today. You'll never be able to trust God with your finances before you trust him with your eternity. And trust him with your eternity right now, that you would trust that God has done all the work, that it's not on you, but it's your acknowledgement of how Jesus has done it. So if that's you and you want to put your faith in Jesus today, you want to acknowledge that Jesus Christ is, is what you need, once you say something like this, it doesn't have to be word for word, but I want you to mean it in your heart. Say something like this. Dear Jesus, I want you to save me. Would you forgive me? I believe what you did on the cross was enough. That you died. That they put you in a tomb. And that three days later, you got out of the grave. Would you be my Savior today? Would you be the Lord of my life? Help me live for you every single day for the rest of my life that's you, something like that, you didn't have to say it word for word, but you meant that in your heart, you said, hey, I just, I just asked Jesus to be the Lord of my life, if that's you, first of all, I want you to understand that all of heaven is partying right now, when one person comes to salvation in Jesus, and I want to let you know that in just a second, Purpose Church, we're going to party in just a second, but here's what I want to ask, if that's you and you just said yes to a relationship with Jesus, would you mind raising your hand over your head for me, say, hey, I just said yes to Jesus today. I just said yes to what Jesus did on the cross for me today. Awesome. You can drop it right back down. Anybody else say, hey, it's me. It's me. Awesome. Awesome. Well, in just a second, Pastor Damon's going to tell you exactly what we would love to follow up with you and love to have this conversation with you. If you just said that you just committed your life to Jesus, but Purpose Church, I would just love if we would encourage those people that just raised their hands and say, hey, I just gave my heart to Jesus. Can we thank God today for salvation being in the room? Come on, can we thank God today that He is Jehovah Jireh. He's provided for all of our needs. Come on, give Him a big shout of praise all over this place today. <laughs>